Hello, family and friends. I'm here for day two with Derek and Jody Bollinger, pastors of New Creation Life Church in Sparta, Tennessee. And, you know, we got going yesterday with uh, Derek's testimony, and I think he was hooked up about 30,000 volts or so. So I'm just going to kick it over to him to continue his testimony. Yes, sir, Greg. Honored to be here for day two. So kind of kicking off to where we was yesterday, and, and we was talking about the extradition and, and things like that, and always running. Re- really, basically, that's the heart of what it was, you know, was running, running from uh, the crimes, running from um, everything else. We'll get into that, but, but um, the, you know, and, and then finally get caught and have to face face what, what you've done. But they, they'd come and they'd extradited me in New Mexico to face the charges in Tennessee that I had ran from originally because didn't want to face the the consequences of what I'd done, and I, I ran just like I did all, all my life, and uh, ran from everything important, ran from everything that was, you know, any kind of responsibility, uh, feelings, self, uh, ran from all that, and it's like once you start running, you just pile up more and more and more, and then, you, you know, and you're using the drugs to try to numb everything and try to get away from who you are, and then you commit more crimes, and you hurt more people, you, yeah. you pile up more sin, and it's just like this weight that you carry. And anyway, they, they brought me back to Tennessee and uh, ended up doing 10 years here in Tennessee. Uh, it was two separate sentences. I did four years. I flattened out and got out, started cooking methamphetamines. When I, when I, I got off the crack, but I got on meth and, and got on uh, pills and stuff like that. So for 17 years, was was complete. Sold out, uh, drug addict, had to have it at all costs, whether it be, you know, crack, whether it be alcohol, whether it be... Uh, you know, methamphetamines, whatever it was. Yeah. And I always tell people this, Greg, I, I say it, that if, if you didn't know there was a devil, when you started doing methamphetamines, you knew there was a devil. Mm-hmm. And you, you believed in the supernatural if you got on that stuff and uh, was cooking that. But, you know, through all that, I think um, what what sticks out to me was the most of all was God's mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I want to camp on. I don't want to camp on all the crimes and stuff that I did. I'm trying to touch on that, and then I'll bring you to the encounter. But the, his mercy during that time, because I never could make it. I looked at my life, and, and one day I just did the, did the calculations after I got out of prison, and, and I was sitting there just thinking about all those years from the time I was like 14 years old to the time I got out of prison in 2013. And during that time, there was never a time from 2013 till uh, 13 years old, so that would have been about 14 years old, so 94 to 2013. Y'all can do the math on that, but there was never a time that I was on the street without being in a juvenile, a group home, a foster home, a jail, or a prison facility in in one year stretch. I was never on the street for one year stretch during those years. You know, I think the longest I made it was like nine months. And, yeah. and a lot of people say, oh, that's so sad. No, that was God's mercy. Yeah. Because had I stayed out, you know, living the life that I lived and, and doing the things that I did, somebody would have either killed me or I would have I would have been so messed up. My body would have been so messed up on drugs that, that I wouldn't have been able to, you know, of course, we know God's a miracle worker and yeah. it could have been a miracle. But there was a possibility that he his mind would have been too fried or yeah. body would have been too messed up or any yeah. of that. So anyway, prison... Uh, first time I go to prison in Tennessee, of course I never never wanted to be a part of a gang or anything like that. Never never sought out to be that. But then uh, then got caught, got in connection with the whites. You know the the, the Aryan Nation. They they wow. don't don't mean to you know, but they they had reached out to me in the prison system and and so 
Uh, I started watching them. It wasn't, it wasn't that I needed protection. I didn't feel that. Right. But they, I started watching the, uh, the, the respect that they had. And, and one man in particular, he was an older gentleman, and he kind of took me in as a father, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. that father figure that I never had. Right. So, so I guess we're all craving that in some yep. way, that, that father, you know, somebody to be a father to us. Yep. And looking back at it now from where I'm at, that's kind of what it was. And, and the respect that he had in the prison system and the respect the other gangs had to him. And the guy was all tatted all over, man. He'd been in prison for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he was just a dangerous individual, but he had such respect. And uh, that's kind of what drew me to him. And they started feeding me with the ideology and stuff of the white supremacists and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And wasn't long I started probating. And I remember, remember going down to him and I said, you know, the day that I actually became a probate, you get to go through the probationary period. And I said, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'm in, I'm in. Mm-hmm. you know, and when I made that decision, I was in. Wow. And, uh, and that led to, uh, me becoming more violent, me becoming more trained, me becoming, you know, cause I wasn't necessarily a violent person by nature, right. but getting involved there in that, in that kind of environment, you know, and with that kind of training, with that kind of people around you, you, you can become a monster. If you're yep. not one already, you can definitely become one. Yeah. And so so went through that and, and then become a part of that well through the years, through the prison system, through respect, through through uh, violence and things like that, had become one of the high ranking members of that organization. And uh, ten years of my life was spent given to that organization and, wow. and I don't hold nothing against anybody we I love them yeah and um, and and still you know uh, love them in that sense but but in 2007 I think it was I, I got went to went to a prison called South Central and uh, very dangerous prison a lot of drug usage we were we were dealing drugs we were uh, we were extorting people we were involved in some very serious stuff and uh, they had, I remember the gang coordinator coming to me one day, and, and my nickname was Loco. And uh, he said, Loco, he said, I'm going to get you. He said, I know you're involved in this stuff. I said, I ain't doing nothing. You know, you know what I mean? And uh, he said, but I'm going to get you. And uh, I said, well, it wasn't long they did. They got us. Uh, the guy, guy got life lighted out of there, got, got put in the hospital, hurt really, really bad. And um, we, we was, you know, they, they locked a bunch of us up, and I'd gotten to maximum security. Uh, got sent to a maximum security prison because uh, they got a place for you even inside prison when you can't, the population, you can't function out there. Mm-hmm. They'll put you in a cell by yourself. And I say it's one of the greatest things that, that ever happened to me. But I remember I remember something that happened to me right before. that. The Lord just brought this back to my memory. Okay. And right before they come and locked us up, they already had us under investigation for extortion. They had, had us under investigation for a lot of different things, selling drugs. I mean, we were, you know, massive amounts of drugs were flowing into the prison and stuff. But I was a junkie, you know. At that time, I was shooting shooting pills and things like that. And I remember this. The Lord just brought this to my memory. I remember we was down there in a the cell, and there was a bunch of us in there. And uh, I went down to uh, to the cell that day. And something in me, I was like, man, I, I don't want to do these needles no more. You know, yeah. even inside prison, was was shooting pills, yeah. Yeah. sharing needles with people and stuff. I mean, that's how sick it was. And and I remember closing the curtain because I didn't want nobody to see me. And I remember the sun shining through the through the uh, through the window that day. 
I mean, the lowest point you could ever be, you're in prison and you're shooting drugs and you're, you're, you're committing, you, you, you're hurting people, you're doing things like that. I mean, it don't get no lower yeah. uh, than that. But I remember, I remember putting up my blind. You put it up, you know, so nobody look in if you used the bathroom or something. But the sun was shining that day through the thing. And I got on my knees and, and I didn't really know Jesus. I, I didn't, I, I'd heard about him when I was a kid maybe. But I got on my knees that day and I said, God, I said, you know, I said, I can't do this. Uh, this needle, it's, it's, it's going to kill me. You know, it's going to cause me to do something in here or kill somebody or, you know, I'm going to be killed. And um, and I remember that day laying that down and just, just praying. I didn't know how to pray or anything yeah. like that. But I got up that day and, and the Lord just brought this back. I never brought this up in a testimony before, ever. This is the first time. And... Um, so anyway, it wasn't long. A couple of days after that, a few days, they come in. The STGs, the coordinator, they locked the prison down. They come in, looked like the National Guard come in. Man, they handcuffed us. They took us to the cell. They took us, uh, ended up maxing us out. Uh, we wouldn't tell on nobody, nothing like that. So, of course, you don't give them no information. But they sent me to West High at that time. It was a level five, level six. Well, we better wrap up today. And again, as we said the previous day, if you missed session three, there's something wrong with you there. This is riveting. And Derek, so thank you. If you would uh, just say a quick prayer for our listeners. Yes, so Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for those that are listening. I just pray, Holy Ghost, that you would just minister to the people there, that you would baptize them in your love and your spirit yes, today, Lord. God, that you would reveal the, the Lord Jesus Christ to their hearts today, to their mind today, God. We just reach down. We just ask you, Lord, to uh, touch them in a special way, God, to experience you uh, the living, living creator, that yes. you are alive forevermore, that, that, that you speak, that you think, that you feel their infirmities, God. And we thank you for their life today. I'm speaking and just declaring over them that their minds are being renewed to the truth, that their spirits are being awakened, that yes. evangelists are being raised up yes. in the mighty name of Jesus to go and to share the gospel and to tell all about this Jesus that they know and Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. And Derek and Jody, how can they contact your ministry if they want to get a hold of you? If they want to get a hold of us, they can contact us via Facebook. Okay. I guess that's the way you'd say it. Derek Keith Bolinger. We've also got New Creation Life Ministries is what it's under is our church name. Okay. Uh, but the Facebook is uh, Derek Keith Bolinger. You can friend us on there, and then we'll we'll get you to like the ministry page. We're still in a work in progress. Yep. So, Amen. Praise yes, God. Lord. Well, folks, we love you all. Looking forward to tomorrow's podcast. And please go talk to someone about Jesus today. And remember, Jesus thought about you on the cross at Calvary.